Oh, it's on now. We, we have you recorded. We'll send this right right to the FBI. All right, so, um, all right, now, how, how did this class come about? Uh, I gave this up at St. Anthony uh, maybe about two, three weeks ago, this class. And the reason why I, I gave it was because for our parish mission, what we did was we had the Jesuit Retreat House come for four weeks and give us a little bit of information about St. Ignatius, his, his way of discernment, uh, his pilgrim way. And the way it worked was uh, they would come, they would, they would speak for about 10, 15 minutes, and then we went uh, into another room, and we sat at tables just like this, and we basically did faith sharing. Okay, That's basically what we did for the four weeks, and we did this during Lent. Uh, and as I would ask people, well, how's the retreat going? Do you like it, this or that? Uh, they would say, well, the presenters are okay, but we really like the faith sharing. It's like in the sense of they, uh, it, was, it was an opportunity to learn about other people, not only just who they are in their parish, but also how God has acted in their life, in their life. And, and it, it gave them a sense of appreciation for where God is, but also then maybe uh, gave them an opportunity to to see maybe God in a different way in their own life. So the, the parishioner said you know, that this faith sharing was a very, very good thing. It was, it was really the winning aspect of the mission. So with that, it made me think, well, maybe it, they should learn a little bit about mystagogy. So uh, what mystagogy is, is um, and really an ancient practice of the church. We have... Uh, homilies from St. Augustine uh, from, from long ago in which they are uh, they're, they're giving their homily in, in this mystagogical fashion. And what they are doing is they're reflecting on the events of Easter. They're reflecting on the events of Easter and helping the newly baptized understand what happened. Uh, so before we go further, because I'm jumping around in my head, um, we should talk about the word mystery. You hear this word a lot, especially at Mass. You hear it with the mysteries of the rosary. Mystery is not what you think it is. So when I say mystery out in the, in the public, people are going to think, oh, something unknown, like the murder mystery or the Agatha Christie novel. You know, that, or, you know that's not like who did it. That's not what the church means when we say the, the word mystery. Uh, for the church, what we do is, when we hear this word, it reminds us, reminds us of St. Paul, in which he was talking about the events of Christ. And, the, and in Greek, the word is mysterion, at which point we get mystery. So whenever you see or hear the word mystery in the church, it means event. Think about the word, think about the event that is taking place. For example, let's pretend we're at Mass. Okay? I'm at the altar. The bread and the wine have been brought forward. I then say the words of institution. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Okay, so we all know where we're at in the Mass. 
after I genuflect, I then issue a command to the church. The mystery of faith. Okay, so it's at that moment, I'm not asking you to respond to something that you don't understand, but rather to respond to the event you just experienced. And what is the experience? This, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Paschal mystery. The, the, the sacrifice of Calvary. That is what you just experienced. That is what you just lived. And so when I say the mystery of faith, I'm saying, Church of God, proclaim with all your heart what God has done. And what do we say? You know, save us, Savior, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Or when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. I mean, those, what we're saying is the mystery, is the event, Christ's saving action. So whenever you hear mystery, think of events. That's why the mysteries of the rosary are the events of the rosary, the events in the life of Jesus, the lo- of Jesus, Mary, and the church. So what mystagogy is, again, sorry, we're using that word, mista, the mystery, is reflecting on events, particularly holy events. And just as an aside, you know, because again, words do matter. Uh, another word for these holy mysteries or holy events are sacraments. So, so when, when you want to know like really what a sacrament is, you have the definition, you know, those tangible, visible signs given by God to bestow grace, but what are they? They're holy events, God's action in the world, in the here and the now. Okay, so let's, let's talk a little, a little bit about mystagogy. Mystagogy is about answering questions. That's really what it is. It's about answering the questions about this event. It does not answer the question, what happened? Instead, mystagogy goes after another set of questions. Through this event, what happened in me? Uh, through this event, how is God revealing himself to me? Through this event, how is God asking me to change? It's a different set of questions. When we reflect on these events, particularly sacraments, and we open our hearts to God, it gives Him the opportunity to explain His love for us, to teach us, to show us, to reveal His love for us, to go deeper in faith. All right, so the process we're going to go through, I found uh, on a website for the Diocese of Raleigh, uh, Jerry Gallipo. And he, he had a nice little layout of how, how to do this process. So what we're going to do is first I'm going to walk through the process, and then we're going to actually do this process. I'm going to do it for you through an event that I experienced at at the Easter Vigil, okay. So let's so let's first talk about uh, our, our. We have five steps. First one is event. This one is very simple. You can't reflect on event on an event unless you have one. So 
First thing you need is you need an event that you're going to reflect on. Pretty simple. Second one is reflecting on the experience. So once we have an event, we have to describe it. We have to look at what happened. And the questions that we are looking at answering in this step is the, what did you experience? What touched you about the event? In what ways were you engaged or disengaged? How would you describe your feelings at any particular moment? What did you see, hear, smell, taste, feel? So really, in this stage, you're really trying to just describe the event. What happened? Maybe not only what happened in the sequence of the events, but also maybe a little bit about, you know, which, which moments were of this event were really powerful or really spectacular and special for you. But we're just looking at the experience, very superficial, what happened. Third step is we have to then go into the meaning. This is a very important part uh, because this is where we're going really beyond the exterior and really looking at how God revealed himself to us. So the questions we are looking to answer are, in what particular way were we struck by God's presence? Who was the God, who, who was the God we experienced in this moment? What was your understanding of God during this event? How would you convey the presence of Christ during this event? How was the church made present during this event? What was your understanding of the church? What do the symbols say to us? What was written on your heart during the event? So those questions are a little bit different. The first set from the experience really was describing what happened. This set describes what happened in me. The personal part. Okay? Then the fourth step, which is very important as well, is we have to relate all of this to faith. You know, at this point, we've had an experience, we reflected on the event. By describing what happened, we've looked at it at a deeper level, and now we have to bring it to faith, you know, in the sense of uh, this is what grounds us. You know, because you could have many events, many experiences, many meaningful things, but they might be contrary to faith. That would not help you in growing, to be growing as a Roman Catholic. So what we have to do is then take all this and see how does this relate to faith, you know, uh, is there a scripture passage that, uh, that this experience is making us think about? Um, is, there, uh, is there a growth in an appreciation for God, for what God has done, for the people that God has put into our life? And maybe it's drawing you into prayer or simply to be with God and continue that conversation as, as life is going on. So we have to relate it to faith. 
This is, and again, this is what grounds us. Make sure we don't fall off the mark. Then the fifth, and really the most important. I know, I make every step the most important. <laughs> but this one really is, because this is about conversion. I mean, the meaning was important because this is what makes it the mystagogical. The relating the faith is obviously important because this is what keeps us, you know, Catholic. But this conversion part is what the whole process is going towards. Changing. Becoming more like Christ. Living like Christ. Putting aside the things that are binding us and holding us down so that we can live in the freedom as the children of God. So in a nutshell, I mean, that is mystagogy. It's reflecting on events, typically holy events, in which God has acted in this moment and has revealed himself to us in a new way. All right, so, like I said, that was the outline of the process. The only way to really see how this works is to use a real-life example and I'll show you how, how this is done. So, the example that I'm going to be using for, the, for this mystagogical reflection took place at this past Easter vigil. Okay, so this, this event um, that I'm going to be talking about is what, maybe only six weeks old at most? So, it's still relatively new to me. And certainly, as I go, go farther away from from Easter, uh, the more and I, more I reflect on it, the more God might continue to use it. Okay, but this is the process. So the event took place during the Litany of the Saints at the Easter Vigil. At the Easter Vigil, that is the 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 greatest Mass of of, of the year, because we are truly remembering in a very ritually rich way the paschal mystery how christ conquers death and it's typically on that day when we have adults enter into the church through receiving the gift of baptism confirmation and first holy communion so after the homily um, father dale the pastor so now, now, so that was the event. We're now in the experience. After the homily, Father Dale, the pastor, came by me, and he picked up his little binder, because that is what had, you know, the ritual for for the rest of the mass. And I went, and then I stood up, and I walked towards him, and and, and we went to the uh, uh, to to the foot of of the sanctuary, at which point the catechumens, the elect were came forward and we started the ritual for baptism and uh father dale he spoke spoke to them for a moment at which point it came time for the litany of the saints which is part of the ritual and what we did was we father dale and i we turned and we're facing the cross okay and we began to sing the litany and as we began to sing, honestly, for it was just a split second, but it was so vivid. I mean, I thought I was there. Um, 
I was back at the cathedral of St. John the Evangelist at my ordination. Okay? Now, I say uh, my ordination because at, at that moment, that's what it felt like. It felt like when the, the, that it was my day, my ordination. The point of view that I had in my head would not have come from that ordination because I remember in, in, in my head what I saw was the back wall of, of the cathedral. During the Lady of the Saints and my ordination, I saw the marble. <laughs> so so I, know, I know it's not perfect, but what the heart was saying was, it's yours. But, what I, but I, again, I was at, in my mind... And when we started that litany, uh, I was at the cathedral at an ordination. I mean, and even, I mean the, the moment was so real that, I mean, it felt like I had Bishop Lennon, Bishop Lennon to the right of me. That's how, that's how real this moment was. It felt like he was right there. And at that moment, I remembered how we sing this litany at important events in the life of the church, such as an ordination. And again, like I said, I could vividly see the back wall, see the statues, the wooden, the wooden uh, rereros, and 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 because it was just just redone, so I, I saw it like in all all its splendor. And I could even in that moment, I could hear the cathedral cantor leading the litany. So I mean, it was very clear, very 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 vivid, very good, very joyful this moment and then the next thing I knew I was standing next to Father Dale again uh, singing the litany and certainly from that point forward with every invocation of, of a saint in my heart there was an intensity asking the saints to pray for our elect Joe, Veronica, Tim and Zach that their hearts may be set on fire with love for the Lord and for the church so that was the experience. That is what happened ritually and interiorly. Just really describing it just for what it is. Not going into what it meant to me, but that's on, when, when was the Easter Vigil? March 26th? March 26th at probably around, I don't know, 10 o'clock, let's say. I, I, I don't remember. that. We might have. That's that's what I experienced. Well, it was just it, that moment was very real. It was a very real moment. Okay, now the meaning. Now, what did that mean? So certainly, what what you need to do is once you have ex, uh, described it, you have to sit with it and certainly let the Holy Spirit kind of explain to you the meaning. What does this really mean? And in that moment, I was struck by God's presence. Certainly, just the that that you know that, that that moment at the cathedral was very real. But I also realized that in a few moments, God was going to do something incredible in the life of Zach, Veronica, Joe, and Tim. That God was going to change them forever in the waters of baptism that God was going to act in their life and they were going to be forever changed. Because that's what ordination was for me. A day when God changed me forever. 
God changed my very being, my essence, my identity, who I am at my ordination. I became a priest in the order of Melchizedek. I am called to be like Christ, to preach the gospel with my life, to teach, to sanctify, to sacrifice, to bring hope and glad tidings to the poor. So that's one reflection. This very uh, powerful... Um, experience of how God acts in our life and and changes us, and 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 again, just seeing the correlation between baptism and ordination, how God is definitively acting in our lives. In this moment, I also experience a God who calls us, all of us, to be close to Him. You know, if you were at the Easter Vigil, you would have heard it in the readings, how God created the world from his own goodness and gave it to us as a gift. That this is a God that even when we sinned and became enslaved to sin, he frees us like he did Israel. He fights, he fights for them and breaks their bondage. He broke and he broke our bondage. That this is a God who made us a promise of new life and kept that promise in Jesus Christ. The suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise so that we can be with him forever. So that's, that was another thing I was experiencing. That the reality of the Easter Vigil, this encountering of God's saving action. And in that moment, God extended an invitation in a very real and sacramental way to the elect. That their baptism was a holy day for them. For God and for the church. A holy day for them because they came in contact with the one who loves them fully. This was a holy day for God because the one he loves with all his heart is coming to him. This was a holy day for the church because the family of God grew that day. And it reminds us how much we are loved by God and called to love God with all our hearts. So, I took the details of what happened, but expanded upon them. What did it say to me? What did God say to me? What was God revealing to me? How is God acting in me? So that's the meaning. Okay, so we have the event, we have the experience, and we have the meaning. Now we have to do the relationship to faith. It's like building a bridge. Um, making sure that everything flows. Um, so one of the one of the things that um, that what this does is it makes sure that we don't fall astray. Like if all the ex- experiences focused on me and had no relationship with the church, that would not be a good thing. This is not a Jesus and me relationship. It is a Jesus and me and us. It is very important that we experience how God is revealing himself to all of us. So, so that's why, like, because if, if we just left it as what it meant to me, well, I kind of break my communion with all of you. So when we relate it to faith, it makes sure that what I experience is authentic, but also makes sure that I keep a communion with the church. So with the comment about ordination, the very first reflection, 
Uh, we do believe that there is an ontological change when a person is baptized, confirmed, or ordained a priest. Another idea for uh, this ontological uh, change is the very person. That I am not the same person born to my parents, Michael and Virginia. I'm not the same person that went to school and played summer baseball. That's my history. That's my history. But, but that is not me. That is not the me before you today. On the day of my ordination, God changed me. He changed my essence, my identity, who I am, and how I am to be like his son, Jesus. Now, that's the power of the sacrament, that there is an ontological change, a change at the very person, in the personhood of the individual. And that was the same with the newly baptized. They were not the same. They were not who they were. That night they became something new. They became Christian. They became adopted children of God. So with, with that reflection with ordination, the changing, the, the configuring of the soul to Christ and all, again, you can find all that in the catechism. So I can say, okay, that that was a meaningful experience. I can build off of that. I could continue to... to let God reveal more to me through that. With the comment about the closeness to God, we hear about God being near us in Scripture. From, Israel, from Isaiah, Emmanuel is God with us. In the Gospel of John, the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So truly, God is a God who desires to be near us. And by the tradition of the church dating back to the early days, the Eucharist was reserved as it is today that this is still a God who desires to be close to us and still dwells with his people because he loves them and wants to be near them. Okay, so that, that part was, was okay. With the comment of the holiness of that night, truly we heard in the exalted that it is a holy night. When we prayed that hymn, praising God for the Paschal candle, we called it a holy night and how the church building should shake with joy. Why? Because God is doing something in the life of the church. So, I made it through step four. All my reflections, you know, related to the faith. Okay? So, I can now go on to step five. What does this mean? Now, if, if one of them didn't relate, well, that's okay too. Because you can still go on to step five. So how is God calling you to change, you know, so that it is in line with the church? That's why you, 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 can't, you can't fail with this. You really can't. Because it's, it's, uh, there's, there's safeguards to make sure that we're um, moving towards Christ. So how does this encourage conversion in my life? First of all, going back to ordination, it reminds me that I have to be appreciative for the blessings God has bestowed upon me. The gift of life, ordination, the church, the newly baptized, and all of you right now. Just being able to share the reflection, to, to again, to go back to that moment is part of God's gift. And sometimes I know I take these things for granted. So this reflection has reminded me that all of this is God's blessing. All of this is God's gift. And so I have to be even more grateful and cherish it all the more every moment that God gives me. 
and acting as a priest and being with the church. So that's the first challenge. Be, be more grateful. Be more thankful. Another challenge. I know. Because it's, it's, it's warm, I know. Another challenge, ordination for me needs to be a special day. It should not simply be reduced to a date on a calendar, but it should be remembered that it should be remembered like my baptism and my confirmation when God did something new in me. So it should be celebrated, not because of anything I've done, because of what God has done. So I, I have to continue to to see that as a gift. And another challenge is that um, to be filled with more zeal in the priestly work. You know, I, I saw three, uh, four, four new Christians made in the waters of baptism. I saw new life take place. I saw them die to sin and rise to a life of grace. I saw them sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and was privileged to give them the gift of the Eucharist for the first time. So it needs to produce a new zeal in me. Um, remembering that um, this is not my work. This is God's work. And God has invited me to be a part of it. So this was really, um, for me, a powerful experience. Um, because it, did, it caught me completely off guard. You know, come Easter Vigil, you know, you're more worried about, am I going to turn the lights on at the right time? You know, or, or, you know, what do I do next? That's really my concern at the Easter Vigil, you know. And as, as a sacristan, I know you know. Um, that, so, so when that hit me, it was so vivid, so real, that it was like one of those wow moments. And I knew that that was a moment I had to sit and reflect with. Spend more time with. Not just push it off and say, well, wasn't that nice? But I have to go further on and say, all right, so what was God saying to me? And certainly you can do this in your own life as well. Every time you go to Mass, you can do this. If there was a wow moment, the, I, I, I say the wow moments because those are the most evident. Those are the most evident. Like, okay, God, you did something. I don't know exactly what you did, but I'm, I'm going to spend some time with it. But it could be any moment because God's grace is everywhere. God's blessing is everywhere. It's just we have to open our eyes more to see it. So you could take even, you know, your morning cup of coffee, even though it's the evening. You know, and reflect on it. You could. You could. Okay, the, the event, the morning cup of coffee. What am I experiencing? Warmth. Robustness, uh, it, it, it's making me uh, 
come alive. You could do all that. And then you can say, okay, now what, what does it mean to me? Well, I enjoy this moment of the day. Because the rest of the day is going to be hectic. But this is a moment when there's peace. And I could simply enjoy this cup of coffee. Okay? Now, how do we relate this to faith? God is good. God is good. That he gives us these moments of peace where we can just sit and be with him. Even if it's with a cup of coffee. But, but that, see that even the opportunity of having the cup of coffee in the morning is God's gift to you. So maybe it's, it's, it's realizing that God is good and he does provide and sometimes it's hard to... Life gets rough, but he does provide for me so that I can do his work. Related to faith. And then what's, what's the conversion? Well, not to get a second cup. No, no. Maybe, maybe the conversion is uh, to appreciate the other little moments of life. Maybe the conversion is to appreciate this cup of coffee better. Not to down it down and, mm, and I need another one, but to be able to take the sip and savor it and enjoy it. I mean, basically what this is, is moving towards more of a contemplative life. Really seeing God's action in the everyday moments. Mr. Goji does that. Because it, it slows us down, it gives us a framework to look at a single event to go through it and to see what God is doing and how God is inviting us to live, to live a new life in Him. This is why it's critical, it's critical that the neophytes, the newly baptized, go through mystagogy. Since the, the Second Vatican Council, when the church reinstituted the catechumenate, uh, what they also instituted was reinstituted was mystagogy, saying that after the Easter sacraments are celebrated, they're not done. Now it's time to decompress, to understand what happened. That's what Augustine was doing when he was preaching. He was saying, do you know what happened when you went into that water? Sure, the water was cold, and you came out and you were wet. But that's not what happened. When you went into that water, you died with Christ. Three times you plunged into that water. Just like Christ was three time, he was dead three days in, 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 in the tomb. And then you rose on the third day. Just like he rose on the third, third day. That's what Augustine was going after. Taking this event and breaking it down for them so that they can understand it. And, and digest it and really integrate it into their life. It's about conversion, about transformation. Mystagogy uh, helps us to do that. That's why, I mean, uh, faith is so very important. Mystagogy is one of those ways that we build up faith. Now, how can we practice mystagogy? Uh, like I said, you can do it on, on an individual basis, on your own. You can go to Mass. I mean, typically we do mystagogy, obviously, with holy moments, holy events, so like sacraments or 
or, or whatever. But again, you could do it with anything, technically. Um, so you could first do it, do it on, on your own. Um, you can also do this certainly as a group. You know, like uh, you do, I forget, donuts is once a month, right? Yeah. See, we just ended donuts, so I'm, I'm sad now. <laughs> no more donuts? No. We're not. I don't know. No, no nothing until, I don't know, I think like September or something like that. I mean, I mean that, that's part of the reason why I wanted to get ordained, <laughs> to get a donut every Sunday. But, there you go. Well, uh, like what, what I told the people at St. Anthony was, you know, that we can do this as a group and, you know, you go to Mass and then when you come to your table, first you enjoy your donut, enjoy the gift of being around one another, but rather than just entering into idle conversation about what happened here or there, talk about what happened there, what happened at Mass, what happened in you, and share it with one another. Because the, God gives us these blessings, these gifts, not for our own self, but so that we can give them away and share them with others. So I said, when, when you're, when you're at, at the table, do mystagogy. It could be simple, casual, friendly, but very much a part of our life. This can be done at a parish level. Um, certainly, maybe... You know, you have a parish mystagogical night where people who want to come and reflect on, on the Easter sacraments, you know, maybe you can, you can organize that and we, we, you do that as a greater parish. Um, it can also maybe even be done in the bulletin where, um, where one of the ways that you can share it is obviously, you know, pending you know, approval by the pastor because, again, um, again, it, there has to be prudence in what's published, you know. Um, but maybe someone could write about, write a reflection about an event and what it meant to them and how it has encouraged them and what it is challenging them to do. I mean, it's, it's a way of reaffirming the family. Yeah? It doesn't necessarily have to be a positive no, it could be it could be a it could be a, a loss, absolutely. Um, I mean, with, with with those, it it can very it, it it can be maybe a little bit more difficult. I mean, because certainly it's easier with with those positive events, but very much so. At, at the very least, you're you know you I imagine what will be revealed is that God is there. Um, you know, I've been at the hospice a lot, as, as, as I've been saying, and I have these funerals. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask a question like, you know, uh, you know, I guess it's God's will or this, you know, and because, again, they're, they're trying to cope with, with the loss of a loved one. And I tell them, well, you know, sometimes this is just life. But what God promises is that he'll be there. He'll, this is the incarnation. That God, uh, Emmanuel, that God with us. This is a God who is in the trench of life with us, the good and the bad. So, um, so yeah, I mean, even with with, with a 
with a event that's been not as positive, I guess you can say, you can still find that God is there somewhere. Maybe it was through like the kindness of an individual. Maybe it was through, through maybe through the, the comforting words of the priest. Maybe. I try. <laughs> uh, or maybe. He said, I don't have time. I'm eating my donuts now. <laughs> I only say that on Sunday. Uh, but, but yeah, it can be really used with any events. Um, and really, it can be done in a variety of ways. So I, I guess I, what I really hope that the talk did was um, encourage you to celebrate the sacraments with a new um, intensity. With is that it's not just simply a routine that we do, that we go to Mass and this and that, the other. But truly we are entering into a ritual, that we are entering into a mystery, to a holy event in which God is acting in our life and wants to help us get through life. Uh, so I hope it has encouraged, um, encouraged your faith that if maybe if any point faith was lukewarm, that the Holy Spirit kind of sets, sets you on fire because... God is there. And sometimes all it takes is for us to spend more time looking for him to really see that he was there all along. So that's what I have for you. Um, Any thoughts, questions, concerns? Anyone have an event that was meaningful to them? I mean... Just, just, just the events. Just, just, just events. I mean, unless, unless there's something you could say that, um, how, how it moved you. Yeah. Well, with the good things, the good events, I always feel like when you're really in the moment, you truly feel at one with God because God is in the moment. And that's very positive, and you feel that. And like when I was in Florida, and me and my husband were in this little dinghy trying to make it out to the beach, going to the inlet, and these dolphins started jumping over our boat. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those spectacular moments. It was like I felt like everything was just in that moment. Everything, God, life, my breath. Mm-hmm. You know, a communion. Yes. But the things that really have challenged me to grow very deeply is pain. Mm -hmm. Because you go through those steps of anger and fear and, you know, all those Mm -hmm. steps. And maybe you might get mad at God until you come to your senses and realize, wait a minute. Well, you see it through moments that start happening. These synchronicities start happening. You're like, okay, maybe I'm on the right path here. God is with me. Mm-hmm. He's guiding me somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do feel God in the good and in the hard times. Yeah, he's, a, he's always there. I, I know like with one of the funerals that I had today, the, um, the husband was really taking it pretty hard. Um, his, his wife um, very quickly uh, 
she she developed um I don't think it was really cancer in the brain. I think there might have been cancer somewhere, but it the bottom line was it was affecting her brain and it, she really went down fast. And I mean, I remember when I went to the hospital, I mean, he was just broken. You know. Um so just having to be there. So I mean that that'd be like one of those painful moments, right? And I guess like all I know is every time I kept looking at him and and seeing his hurt and his tears, it just kept making me think he really loved her. You know, and 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 again that's that can be a reflection then on marriage. You know, not only for of the sacrament of marriage, but then also, you know, we call Christ the bridegroom and we call the church the bride. And here is 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 the bridegroom crying because his wife is hurt. Well, maybe, you, again, you can push that out to Christ weeping when we fall into sin because he just wants to he just loves us so much, you know. So uh, I know that's one of the things I kept thinking about in my head. He really loves her, and and and, and it was very encouraging to see that. So it's uh, God can be, God is in the good and the bad moments of life, and He's always there um, helping us. That is true. That is true. everywhere all at once, but that's because we have carnal minds. He is omni-essent, you know. He knows everything. Like when Jesus said, he knows, he knows all the very hairs on your head. That's how much God is with us always and everything. He knows he doesn't miss anything. Yeah. So wouldn't that mean everything somehow, good or bad, is with God? And, and 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 God does not will the bad. Right. You know, the bad is is the consequence of sin. Right. And what God is says, what God says is, I'll be with you through it all. I'll be with you through it all. Amen. Other thoughts. I mean, again, you've probably been doing this your whole life. In one way or another, be like, boy, that was a great mass. Well, in, in in your own way, you were doing it. You just didn't know you were doing mystagogy. So, give it a shot. Well, that's all I have. Kathy, any? No. When are you coming back? When am I coming back? It's <laughs> one more safe lodge. history over the past 40 years and once helped filling in the blanks. Anybody that knows anything else is he's trying to write a book <laughs> for the 90th anniversary. Yeah. So he needs help. It's, it's part of our life, so if you, if you have any of that info. Or if you just want to hear some of the, he's going to go over some of the history that 
professors can found out, and then he's hoping maybe there'll be people here that can fill in some of the little blanks he has. And he'd like to have it done for our 90th anniversary, which is in 2018. Are you coming up? Are you real? So thank you very much. Start polishing the marble. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>